0: CHAPTER Three, PART One OF THE METAMORPHOSIS BY FRANZ KAFKA TRANSLATED BY IAN JOHNSTON This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gregor's serious wound, from which he suffered for over a month, since no one ventured to remove the apple it remained in his flesh as a visible reminder, seemed by itself to have reminded the father that, in spite of his present unhappy and hateful appearance, Gregor was a member of the family, something one should not treat as an enemy, and that it was a requirement of family duty to suppress one's aversion and to endure nothing else, just endure. And if through his wound Gregor had now apparently lost for good his ability to move, and for the time being needed many, many minutes to crawl across his room like an aged invalid, so far as creeping up high was concerned, that was unimaginable. Nevertheless, for this worsening of his condition, in his opinion, he did get completely satisfactory compensation, because every day towards evening the door to the living-room, which he was in the habit of keeping a sharp eye on even one or two hours beforehand, was opened, so that he lying down in the darkness of his room, invisible from the living-room, could see the entire family at the illuminated table, and listen to their conversation, to a certain extent with their common permission, a situation quite different from what had happened before. Of course, it was no longer the animated social interaction of former times which Gregor, in small hotel rooms, had always thought about with a certain longing, when, tired out, he had had to throw himself into the damp bedclothes. For the most part, what went on now was very quiet. After the evening meal the father fell asleep quickly in his armchair. The mother and sister talked guardedly to each other in the stillness. Bent over, the mother sewed fine undergarments for a fashion shop. The sister, who had taken on a job as a sales girl, in the evening studied stenography and French, so as perhaps later to obtain a better position. Sometimes the father woke up and, as if he was quite ignorant that he had been asleep, said to the mother, How long have you been saying today?" and went right back to sleep, while the mother and the sister smiled tiredly to each other. With a sort of stubbornness the father refused to take off his servant's uniform, even at home, and while his sleeping gown hung unused on the coat-hook, the father dozed completely dressed in his place, as if he was always ready for his responsibility, and even here was waiting for the voice of his superior. As a result, in spite of all the care of the mother and sister, his uniform, which even at the start was not new, grew dirty, and Gregor looked often for an entire evening at this clothing, with stains all over it, and with its gold buttons always polished, in which the old man, although very uncomfortable, slept peacefully nonetheless. As soon as the clock struck ten, the mother tried gently encouraging the father to wake up, and then persuading him to go to bed, on the ground that he couldn't get a proper sleep here, and that the father, who had to report for service at six o'clock, really needed a good sleep. But in his stubbornness, which had gripped him since he had become a servant, he insisted always on staying even longer by the table, although he regularly fell asleep and then could only be prevailed upon with the greatest difficulty to trade his chair for the bed. No matter how much the mother and sister might at that point work on him with small admonitions, for a quarter of an hour he would remain shaking his head slowly, his eyes closed, without standing up. The mother would pull him by the sleeve and speak flattering words into his ear. The sister would leave her work to help her mother, but that would not have the desired effect on the father. He would settle himself even more deeply in his armchair. Only when the two women grabbed him under the armpits would he throw his eyes open, look back and forth at the mother and sister, and habitually say, This is a life, this is the peace and quiet of my old age. And propped up by both women, he would heave himself up elaborately, as if for him it was the greatest trouble, allow himself to be led to the door by the women, wave them away there, and proceed on his own from there, while the mother quickly threw down her sewing implements and the sister her pen, in order to run after the father, and help him some more. In this overworked and exhausted family, who had time to worry any longer about Gregor more than was absolutely necessary, the household was constantly getting smaller. The servant-girl was now let go. A huge, bony, cleaning-woman, with white hair flying all over her head, came in the morning and evening to do the heaviest work. The mother took care of everything else in addition to her considerable sewing work. It even happened that various pieces of family jewellery, which previously the mother and sister had been overjoyed to wear on social and festive occasions, were sold, as Gregor found out in the evening from the general discussion of the prices they had fetched. But the greatest complaint was always that they could not leave this apartment which was too big for the present means, since it was impossible to imagine how Gregor might be moved. But Gregor fully realized that it was not just consideration for him which was preventing a move, for he could have been transported easily in a suitable box, with a few air-holes. The main thing holding the family back from a change in living quarters was far more the complete hopelessness, and the idea that they had been struck by a misfortune like no one else in their entire circle of relatives and acquaintances. What the world demands of poor people, they now carried out to an extreme degree. The father brought breakfast to the petty officials at the bank. The mother sacrificed herself for the undergarments of strangers. The sister behind her desk was at the beck and call of customers. But the family's energies did not extend any further. And the wound in his back began to pain Gregor all over again. When now mother and sister, after they had escorted the father to bed, came back, let their work lie, moved close together, and sat cheek to cheek, and when his mother would now say, pointing to Gregor's room, close the door, Greta, and when Gregor was again in the darkness, while close by, the women mingled their tears, or, quite dry-eyed, stared at the table. Gregor spent his nights and days with hardly any sleep. Sometimes he thought that the next time the door opened, he would take over the family arrangements just as he had earlier. In his imagination appeared again after a long time his employer and supervisor and the apprentices. The excessively spineless custodian, two or three friends from other businesses, a chambermaid from a hotel in the provinces, a loving fleeting memory, a female cashier from a hat shop, whom he had seriously but too slowly courted. They all appeared mixed in with strangers or people he had already forgotten, but instead of helping him and his family, they were all unapproachable, and he was happy to see them disappear but then he was in no mood to worry about his family. He was filled with sheer anger over the wretched care he was getting, even though he couldn't imagine anything which he might have an appetite for. Still, he made plans about how he could take from the larder what he at all account deserved, even if he wasn't hungry. Without thinking any more about how they might be able to give Gregor special pleasure— The sister now kicked some food or other very quickly into his room in the morning and at noon, before she ran off to her shop. And in the evening, quite indifferent to whether the food had perhaps only been tasted or, what happened most frequently, remained entirely undisturbed, she whisked it out with one sweep of her broom. The task of cleaning his room, which she now always carried out in the evening, could not be done any more quickly. Streaks of dirt ran along the walls, Here and there lay tangles of dust and garbage. At first, when his sister arrived, Gregor positioned himself in a particularly filthy corner, in order with this posture to make something of a protest. But he could have well stayed there for weeks without his sister changing her ways. In fact, she perceived the dirt as much as he did, but she had decided just to let it stay. In this business, with a touchiness which was quite new to her, And which had generally taken over the entire family, she kept watch to see that the cleaning of Gregor's room remained reserved for her. Once his mother had undertaken a major cleaning of Gregor's room, which he had only completed successfully after using a few buckets of water, but the extensive dampness made Gregor sick, and he lay supine, embittered and immobile on the couch. However, the mother's punishment was not delayed for long, for in the evening the sister had hardly observed the change in Gregor's room, before she ran into the living-room mightily offended, and, in spite of her mother's hand lifted high in entreaty, broke out in a fit of crying. Her parents—the father had, of course, woken up with a start in his armchair—at first looked at her astonished and helpless, until they started to get agitated Turning to his right, the father heaped reproaches on the mother that she was not to take over the cleaning of Gregor's room from the sister, and, turning to his left, he shouted at the sister that she would no longer be allowed to clean Gregor's room ever again, while the mother tried to pull the father, beside himself in his excitement, into the bedroom. The sister, shaken by her crying fit, pounded on the table with her tiny fists and Gregor hissed at all this, angry that no one thought about shutting the door and sparing him the sight of this commotion. But even when the sister, exhausted from her daily work, had grown tired of caring for Gregor as she had before, even then the mother did not have to come at all on her behalf, and Gregor did not have to be neglected, for now the cleaning woman was there. This old woman, who in her long life must have managed to survive the worst with the help of her bony frame, had no real horror of Gregor. Without being in the least curious, she had once, by chance, opened Gregor's door. At the sight of Gregor, who, totally surprised, began to scamper here and there, although no one was chasing him, she remained standing with her hands folded across her stomach, staring at him. Since then she did not fail to open the door furtively, a little every morning and evening, to look in on Gregor. At first she called him to her, with words which she presumably thought were friendly, like, Come here for a bit, old dung-beetle, or, Hey, look at the old dung-beetle. Addressed in such a manner, Gregor answered nothing, but remained motionless in his place, as if the door had not been opened at all. If only, instead of allowing this cleaning woman to disturb him uselessly whenever she felt like it, they had given her orders to clean up his room every day. One day, in the early morning, a hard downpour, perhaps already a sign of the coming spring, struck the window-panes, when the cleaning woman started up once again with her usual conversation. Gregor was so bitter that he turned towards her, as if for an attack, although slowly and weakly. But instead of being afraid of him, the cleaning woman merely lifted up a chair standing close by the door, and as she stood there with her mouth wide open, her intention was clear. She would close her mouth only when the chair in her hand had been thrown down on Gregor's back. "'This goes no further, all right?' she asked, as Gregor turned himself around again, and she placed the chair calmly back in the corner." Gregor ate hardly anything any more. Only when he chanced to move past the food which had been prepared did he, as a game, take a bit into his mouth, hold it there for hours, and generally spit it out again. At first he thought it might be his sadness over the condition of his room which kept him from eating, but he very soon became reconciled to the alterations in his room. People had grown accustomed to put into storage in his room things which they couldn't put anywhere else, and at this point there were many such things, now that they had rented one room of the apartment to three lodgers. These solemn gentlemen—all three had full beards, as Gregor once found out through a crack in the door—were meticulously intent on tidiness, not only in their own room, but, since they now rented a room here in the entire household, and, particularly, in the kitchen. They simply did not tolerate any useless or shoddy stuff. Moreover, for the most part, they had brought with them their own pieces of furniture. Thus, many items had become superfluous, and these were not really things one could sell or things people wanted to throw out. All these items ended up in Gregor's room, even the box of ashes, and the garbage pail from the kitchen. The cleaning-woman always in a hurry simply flung anything that was momentarily useless into Gregor's room. Fortunately, Gregor generally saw only the relevant object and the hand which held it. The cleaning-woman, perhaps, was intending, when time and opportunity allowed, to take the stuff out again, or to throw everything out all at once. But in fact the things remained lying there, wherever they had ended up at the first throw, unless Gregor squirmed his way through the accumulation of junk and moved it. At first he was forced to do this, because otherwise there was no room for him to creep around, but later he did it with a growing pleasure, although after such movements, tired to death and feeling wretched, he didn't budge for hours. Because the lodgers sometimes also took their evening meal at home in the common living-room, The door to the living-room stayed shut on many evenings, but Gregor had no trouble at all going without the open door. Already on many evenings, when it was open, he had not availed himself of it, but, without the family noticing, was stretched out in the darkest corner of his room. However, once the cleaning-woman had left the door to the living-room, slightly ajar, and it remained open even when the lodgers came in in the evening and the lights were put on. They sat down at the head of the table, where in earlier days the mother, the father, and Gregor had eaten, unfolded their serviettes, and picked up their knives and forks. The mother immediately appeared in the door with a dish of meat, and right behind her the sister with a dish piled high with potatoes. The food gave off a lot of steam. The gentlemen lodgers bent over the plate set before them, as if they wanted to check it before eating, and in fact the one who sat in the middle, for the other two he seemed to serve as the authority, cut off a piece of meat still on the plate, obviously to establish whether it was sufficiently tender, and whether or not something should be shipped back to the kitchen. He was satisfied, and mother and sister, who looked on in suspense, began to breathe easily, and to smile. The family itself ate in the kitchen, In spite of that, before the father went into the kitchen, he came into the room, and, with a single bow, cap in hand, made a tour of the table. The lodgers rose up collectively, and murmured something in their beards. Then, when they were alone, they ate almost in complete silence. It seemed odd to Gregor that, out of all the many different sorts of sounds of eating, what was always audible was their chewing teeth as if by that Gregor should be shown that people needed their teeth to eat, and that nothing could be done even with the most handsome toothless jawbone. I really do have an appetite, Gregor said to himself sorrowfully, but not for these things, how these lodgers stuff themselves, and I am dying. On this very evening the violin sounded from the kitchen, Gregor didn't remember hearing it at all through this period. The lodgers had already ended their night meal, the middle one had pulled out a newspaper, and had given each of the other two a page, and they were now leaning back, reading and smoking. When the violins started playing, they became attentive, got up, and went on tiptoe to the hall door, at which they remained standing, pressed up against one another. They must have been audible from the kitchen, because the father called out, "'Perhaps the gentlemen don't like the playing. It can be stopped at once.' "'On the contrary,' stated the lodger in the middle. "'Might the young woman not come into us and play in the room here, where it is really much more comfortable and cheerful?' "'Oh, thank you,' cried out the father, as if he were the one playing the violin. The man stepped back into the room and waited." Soon the father came with the music-stand, the mother with the sheet-music, and the sister with the violin. The sister calmly prepared everything for the recital. The parents, who had never previously rented a room, and therefore exaggerated their politeness to the lodgers, dared not sit on their own chairs. The father leaned against the door, his right hand stuck between two buttons of his buttoned-up uniform. The mother, however, accepted a chair offered by one lodger, Since she let the chair sit where the gentleman had chanced to put it, she sat to one side in a corner. The sister began to play. The father and mother, one on each side, followed attentively the movements of her hands. Attracted by the playing, Gregor had ventured to advance a little further forward, and his head was already in the living-room. He scarcely wondered about the fact that recently he had had so little consideration for the others. Earlier this consideration had been something he was proud of, and for that very reason he would have had at this moment more reason to hide away, because as a result of the dust which lay all over his room and flew around with the slightest movement, he was totally covered in dirt. On his back and his sides he carted around with him dust, threads, hair, and remnants of food. His indifference to everything was much too great for him to lie on his back and scour himself on the carpet, as he had often done earlier during the day. In spite of his condition he had no timidity about inching forward a bit on the spotless floor of the living-room. In any case no one paid him any attention. The family was all caught up in the violin playing. The lodgers, by contrast, who for the moment had placed themselves hands in their trouser-pockets behind the music-stand, much too close to the sister, so that they could all see the sheet-music, something that must certainly bother the sister, soon drew back to the window conversing in low voices with bowed heads. Where they remained, worriedly observed by his father, it now seemed really clear that, having assumed that they were to hear a beautiful or entertaining violin-recital, they were disappointed and were allowing their peace and quiet to be disturbed only out of politeness. The way in which they all blew smoke from their cigars out of their noses and mouths in particular led one to conclude that they were very irritated, and yet his sister was playing so beautifully. Her face was turned to the side, her gaze followed the score intently and sadly. Gregor crept forward still a little further, keeping his head close against the floor in order to be able to catch her gaze if possible. Was he an animal that music so captivated him? For him, it was as if the way to the unknown nourishment he craved was revealing itself. He was determined to press forward, right to his sister, to tug at her dress, and to indicate to her, in this way, that she might still come with her violin into his room. Because here no one valued the recital as he wanted to value it. He did not wish to let her go from his room any more, at least not as long as he lived. His frightening appearance would for the first time become useful to him. He wanted to be at all the doors of his room simultaneously and snarl back at the attackers. However, his sister should not be compelled, but would remain with him voluntarily. She would sit next to him on the sofa, bend down her ear to him, and he would then confide in her that he firmly intended to send her to the conservatory, and that, if his misfortune had not arrived in the interim, he would have declared all of this last Christmas had Christmas really already come and gone, and would have brooked no argument? After this explanation his sister would break out in tears of emotion, and Gregor would lift himself up to her armpit and kiss her throat, which she, from the time she started going to work, had left exposed without a band or a collar. Uh, Mr. Samsa called out the middle lodger to the father, and, without uttering a further word, pointed his index finger at Gregor. As he was moving slowly forward, the violin fell silent. The middle lodger smiled, first shaking his head once at his friends, and then looked down at Gregor once more. Rather than driving Gregor back again, the father seemed to consider it of prime importance to calm down the lodgers, although they were not at all upset, and Gregor seemed to entertain them more than the violin recital. The father hurried over to them, and, with outstretched arms, tried to push them into their own room, and simultaneously to block their view of Gregor with his own body. At this point they became really somewhat irritated, although one no longer knew whether that was because of the father's behaviour or because of knowledge they had just acquired that they had, without knowing it, a neighbour like Gregor. They demanded explanations from his father, raised their arms to make their points tugged agitatedly at their beards, and moved back towards their room quite slowly. In the meantime the isolation which had suddenly fallen upon his sister after the sudden breaking off of the recital had overwhelmed her. She had held on to the violin and bow in her limp hands for a little while, and had continued to look at the sheet music as if she was still playing. All at once she pulled herself together, placed the instrument in her mother's lap—the mother was still sitting in her chair, having trouble breathing, for her lungs were labouring—and had run into the next room, which the lodgers, pressured by the father, were already approaching more rapidly. One could observe how under the sisters' practised hands the sheets and pillows on the beds were thrown on high and arranged. Even before the lodgers had reached the room, she was finished fixing the beds and was slipping out. The father seemed so gripped once again with his stubbornness that he forgot about the respect which he always owed to the renters. He pressed on and on, until at the door of the room the middle gentleman stamped loudly with his foot and thus brought the father to a standstill. "'I hereby declare,' the middle lodger said, raising his hand and casting his glance both on the mother and the sister, "'that considering the disgraceful conditions prevailing in this apartment and family,' With this he spat decisively on the floor. I immediately cancel my room. I will, of course, pay nothing at all for the days which I have lived here. On the contrary, I shall think about whether or not I will initiate some sort of action against you, something which, believe me, will be very easy to establish. He fell silent and looked directly in front of him, as if he were waiting for something. In fact, his two friends immediately joined in with their opinions. We we also also give give notice? notice? At that he seized the door-handle, banged the door shut, and locked it. The father groped his way tottering to his chair and let himself fall in it. It looked as if he was stretching out for his usual evening snooze, but the heavy nodding of his head, which looked as if it was without support, showed that he was not sleeping at all. Gregor had lain motionless the entire time in the spot where the lodgers had caught him, Disappointment with the collapse of his plan, and perhaps also weakness brought on by his severe hunger, made it impossible for him to move. He was certainly afraid that a general disaster would break over him at any moment, and he waited. He was not even startled when the violin fell from his mother's lap, out from under her trembling fingers, and gave off a reverberating tone. "'My dear parents!' said the sister, banging her hand on the table by way of an introduction, things cannot go on any longer in this way. Maybe if you don't understand that, well, I do. I will not utter my brother's name in front of this monster, unless I say only that we must try to get rid of it. We have tried what is humanly possible to take care of it and to be patient. I believe that no one can criticize us "'in the slightest.' "'She is right in a thousand ways,' "'said the father to himself.' "'The mother, who was still incapable "'of breathing properly, "'began to cough numbly "'with her hand held over her mouth "'and a manic expression in her eyes. "'The sister hurried over to her mother "'and held her forehead. "'The sister's words seemed to have led the father "'to certain reflections. "'He sat upright Played with his uniform hat among the plates which still lay on the table from the lodger's evening meal, and looked now and then at the motionless Gregor End of Chapter three Part one